Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The podcast with Dan Bardell and Greg Evans. Hello, welcome to the 1874 podcast. I'm your host, Dan Bardell, joined by the Athletics' Greg Evans. We're here to look back on Villa's first defeat in a while, actually, away at Nottingham Forest. Not often Greg and I have spoken about a defeat. It feels like a very long time ago since since we did a podcast after a, a, a defeat, Greg. But before we get into the game, how are you? Yeah, hello, Dan. I'm good, thank you. Probably a little bit better better than you. I know that your weekend was ruined, wasn't it, by the by the no. Villa game? Well, not not so much ruined, no. but you know, a, the, an edge taken off it, shall we say? Yeah, I mean, I can't. I felt like the away end yesterday was very almost accepting of a defeat because they realised that we're a, such a good team now, and that these are the rarities, and they know that the manager's going to look at that game and it's going to haunt him for days days on, on end probably and that there'll be a reaction probably next week at home against Fulham. I think it's really important not to stagnate and not go on a, a run of losing games. I think in general Villa have done that really well in recent times where they've lost a game. It hasn't then turned to two or three. They had that first run where they lost three in a row under Emery. But other than that, they've, they've managed to not go on these big runs of defeat. So I think the fans are quite realistic, realise that, we're not going to win every game, you know. Defeats will, will will probably come here, here and there. And I just thought, yeah, the away end were pretty pretty accepting of what happened. The players came over at the end of the game, and there was a there was a, an applause for, for for them all. There was no booing whatsoever, no real negativity in the ground. It was just accepted that Villa had an off day. I think Forrest set up really really well, had a game plan, and it and it worked for them. Conceded goals at bad times, perhaps for Villa. And, those goals change change the game state really. That don't they? You know, Forest don't score after five after five minutes. The game probably heads in a different direction, but they did, and then that just completely changes the way the game's going. So I think yeah, there was some realism, but also realizing that we didn't play well yesterday. No, and I mean I don't think Villa were were bad, bad. No, not you know, bad. I think for the last sort of 
65, 70 minutes, they were, you know, they had, a, they had a go, didn't they? They just couldn't quite break Forrest down. And yeah, as you say, Forrest had a very good game plan. And I think we're probably going to see a little bit more of that now, aren't we? Because it feels like Villa are marked, you know, they're marked men now. And that's probably a really big compliment that you can pay towards the team and the manager. Because they've got this run going now where teams are genuinely scared of them. And and Forrest would have worked very hard on on that game plan. Um, and it was risky, you know, because that high press that they put on Villa, if that goes wrong and Villa play out from them, the, you know, Villa managed to find a way, you know, through the lines. They're away very quickly and they can get them on the break. So, um, fair play to Forrest. Uh, and just to find it really interesting, really, how the, the, the dynamic of the Premier League sets up. You know, I was, I was at the Luton-Liverpool game yesterday and... Um, you know, the two teams I cover, obviously, heavily are, are, are Liverpool and Villa. And, you know, Liverpool beat Nottingham Forest 3-0 really comfortably last week. Villa beat mm. New, uh, Luton 3-1, which should have been 3-0 really comfortably. And then they both swapped their opponents around away from home and both failed to beat them. And it just shows, doesn't it, in the Premier League, away games can be really difficult. I think Villa are struggling a little bit on the road, aren't yeah. they? Certainly compared to their home form anyway, but... Um, just shows that there's going to be a few bumps in the road, but as you say, Daniel, the, the important thing now is is um, building, you know, fighting back from that um, and showing some sort of reaction in midweek and then on the weekend. Yeah, before we get into more detail in, into the game, usually I criticise Adam's mistakes. He's had to pull me up on a mistake that that I've made early on in the show for the second week running. I've forgotten to mention our sponsors, NordVPN. No, I can't even say our sponsors. I've forgotten to mention our sponsors, NordVPN. So I'll do that now before Greg and myself get into the get into the game in a little bit more detail. You can grab an exclusive NordVPN deal by going to 1874.io slash NordVPN. If you do that, you'll get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan and you'll also get four months for free. It is completely risk-free. If you're not satisfied, Nord have a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you want to take, make use sorry of, of nordvpn and help our channel as well if you're enjoying our content then please go and check that information out the info is in the description and we'll also hear a little bit more about nordvpn later on in the show so greg yeah i think what you've said about you know is a compliment that you know forest have had to come up with a game plan to, to play against villa they've, they've come up with one they've identified villa strengths maybe identified a few weaknesses as as well and I felt from probably you know very early on the game if they had an attack even b- before they scored, Forrest had identified that Villa play with a with a with a pretty high line. If you're quite quick and incisive with your passing, perhaps you can get and take advantage of that that high line pretty quickly. Forrest were boosted by having a one year back. I, I don't think yeah. they'd have been able to play that way with, without him. He's a really, really good focal point for them. He didn't really have many chances or or score a goal, but I think he he, he was a real, real enabler of what Forrest were able to do yesterday. And a bit like the Liverpool game, a bit like the Newcastle game, they had a had a wide player that caused Villa problems. And I felt in that first half, it was it was a Langer who got a bit mm. Matthew Cash. If I go back to the, the Liverpool game, it felt like Diaz got at Villa in the, in that defeat a, a little bit as well. If my memory serves me correctly, Newcastle Anthony Gordon caused us problems. So if teams are quick and play against Villa's high line and get the ball out to that that fast wide player, that seems to be an avenue that has caused us problems in away defeats. Yeah, I think so. I've noticed that trend as well. Um, you know, pacey wingers um, or pacey forward players and, and Villa have got two themselves in in Diaby and Watkins can you know can really hurt teams and and when there's that overload, which I think at times there was, um 
you know, it's 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 difficult for it's difficult for defensive units um, to contain that. Um, I think the high line it, it comes up a lot, doesn't it? This high line. Now you never hear anything about it when Villa win because no, they not. execute it perfectly, and at times even yesterday, yeah, the, the, they did it well, and you know, the, the, you know, they they were organised very well, and. I'm not sure. look I'm I'm not a I'm not a tactician I'm not a football manager who you know has spent years and years researching styles of play but I think when a team struggles to play through a high line and marginally gets it wrong I I think that's to the credit of of the of the back line you know I think they're doing a really good job and often what we see in in analysis um you know sort of more nationwide with people that don't watch or cover Villa regularly is that the high line um you know is causing is causing Villa problems when they lose um and that they're you know a bit mad to do this but more way more often than not it's worked for Villa so yeah. they're not going to change this this is what they've worked on with Emery, um, and it's not going to change. And more no. often than not, they get it right. But I do take your point. Yeah, you know that the, if an opponent, if an opposing team gets it right, then you know they they can really expose it. And you wonder now we've we've tough games coming up, um, you know, against Man City and Newcastle and Arsenal in the, in the in the weeks ahead and months ahead. Whether those teams will look to do the same, and whether it will be even harder or even easier for them to. To, to expose that. be interesting to see if Villa do change that tactic and just drop a little bit deeper because um, it might help them out a bit. But I just think the high lines work much better than it has, you know, than it hasn't in previous, in in, in the year that Emery's been in charge. So yeah. um, credit, to, credit, credit to Nottingham Forest. They got it right on the day, but I don't think many other teams will. I think you're right. It was a boring podcast when I agree with you all the time, but I, but I do <laughs> agree with, with what you're saying. Even yesterday... I wouldn't say Villa got the high line wrong because they limited Nottingham Forest really. They didn't create too many chances and they were called offside a fair few times yeah. in that game, that high line. It looks close, but it's actually just so well rehearsed that it that it, that it works. It looks close, but actually they know they know what they're doing. Villa and they caught them offside countless times yesterday. I, I haven't seen the stats back, but I would wager it was at least three or four times that Forrest got, got caught offside from... Villa's high line. Maybe it wasn't the high line that, that that was the problem. I think Forrest kind of played through Villa quickly. Yeah, that was the problem. And I think on the flip side of that, Villa couldn't play through Nottingham Forest. They were very compact. The two central midfielders yeah. sitting in front of the back four, uh, Mangala and Sanagra. Apart from what I've said his name, Sangare, yeah, Sangare, yeah. Sorry, you know the, they protected that back four really, really well yesterday. But then Forrest just managed to spring that couple of times and. They weren't really good chances, in fairness. The first one's kind of come through bodies. I think Martinez is never going to save it. And he's hit, hit it well, you know, as his first goal for Nottingham Forest. The second goal, it's a, it's a free it's a free goal. Martinez will probably never, ever do, do that again. So two goals from outside the penalty area, which that feels quite rare for Villa to concede. Yeah, those those kind of goals, do you think that's something that might get looked at? Perhaps the... The closing. I think the first one was really unlucky, but maybe for the second one, he probably had too much time to shoot, and then it is just we'll never see that happen again with Emmy Martinez. Definitely not this season. Well, let's not curse it. I wouldn't think we'll see that again. No, I mean, look, you know, having known Martinez in in, in the way that I do, he will be stewing over that today. You know, he'll be going over video video. Um, he'll be in the video analysis room. 
looking at why it went wrong, how he can make, um, how he can put it right. Uh, you know, he spends so much time trying to be the best goalkeeper that he can possibly be. And even when it isn't his fault, he often blames himself because he thinks, you know, should what could I have done different? So, you know, he'd be really down about that after a pretty incredible week for him, um, you know, being named the, the best goalkeeper in the world. And rightly so, I think he's, yeah. you know, he's, he, he's certainly up there anyway, isn't he? Um, you know, I think he's, I think he's amazing. He's been, been brilliant for Villa. Saved them so many points over the, over the years that, it's only human, and he's and he's allowed a mistake here and there. Yeah, um, I think the last mistake he made maybe was the Arsenal game, wasn't it? You know, I can't think of any many other. Even that's harsh game. to call it a mistake, isn't it? He's hit him on the back of the head and gone in, and then he's yeah, probably yeah. Emery, more, more Emery called him out for going out for the corner, didn't they? That was. He doesn't make Man U's the one last one I remember him really making one where I really think he should have saved it. That Man U game under Gerard, and that was ages ago yeah, when he dropped ago, when he dropped yeah. one in. I can't think of anything else like yeah. that. The, the, the bottom line is he doesn't make many mistakes. Make that was a one off yesterday. Um, shows he's human. He's going to be very down about it this week, but I'm sure he'll make amends in in the weeks ahead. Um, absolutely no doubt about that. In, in terms of the the long range sort of efforts and the goals from outside the box, you know that will be a bit. An element of bad misfortune, I think. You know, um, have to sometimes just accept that results don't go your way, and perhaps that's what it was for Villa yesterday. Just one of those days where Forest, you know, stifled them. I think the best part of Forest's game plan was the was the pressing, really, the, the way they stifled them. Wouldn't let them play that. out from the back. You know, Louise just Louise was who is Villa's typical playmaker. He has the most passes. He, he has the most touches. He makes the most passes. He just couldn't get going. Um, it's good, you know, very good management from Steve Cooper to to really identify him and stop him playing because that that kind of stopped Villa playing as well. Um, and I think Villa did everything right in the game, you know. Really, I think they they moved it around quickly. They made changes at the right time. You know, Bailey kept coming on at half time to try and freshen things up. Um, they stuck to the game plan. They didn't go long. They you know they. They, they worked on the patterns of play that, that Emery wants them to, to, to build up with. Um, and they created a couple of chances. It was just, just one of those days, yeah. Um, frustrating, though. Just a frustrating day, yeah. Um, it's good to good to know, though, that, that, that the reaction in the away end was very positive. I think you can always judge how well Villa are doing by the reaction of the away fans. I've, I've always found that, you know, covering Villa for so many years now. Um, you know, when the away fans turn on the team, you know it's really bad. Um, but if they haven't turned, you know that there's a lot of positivity there. And look, Villa are in a good place, aren't they? You know, they don't lose too many games now. The good thing is they've got they've got games coming up. One in midweek, one at the weekend. I mean, you know, perhaps the only the strange thing about it yeah. was it, they might have just been knocked a little bit out of sync, you know. And, and yeah, it's bizarre, the, that isn't it? The Thursday Sunday schedule that we were saying is going to cause them so many problems this season. It might actually be working for them. It might, you know, players like rhythm and and being in sync, you know, whether they're they're used to match, rest, train, match, rather than train, 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 match, you know. So it's just maybe a little bit different for them this week. Um, and perhaps Emery just, you know, studied too much. I think he said in the week he'd, he'd gone over twenty seven hours of of footage of of Nottingham Forest, and in an, in a week where they have three games, he probably wouldn't have had that time to do it. So. Maybe you just overthought it. <laughs> That's bizarre, isn't it? Isn't it that? But I, I think I read Jacob Tanswell's piece this morning on, on the Athletic. I'm sure he referenced Matty Cash saying about he almost knocked. I might completely mad that up and dreamt it. I'm sure I read that this morning in, in Jacob's piece. One one of the players, anyway. I'm sure I read that that, that they said like it almost. Not, it did almost knock them. Not because it's weird Sorry, to have the game on the yeah, yeah. a chance for Villa to have a game on Saturday 
and it gets moved for, for TV. So it's gonna be gone, yeah. a, gone a whole week <clears throat> without having a game. But back to normal this week, Thursday, Sunday. We'll be back where we like to be. Two games at Villa Park as well. You know, the home form, the away form, it's not a concern, but it's nowhere near as consistent as the as the, as the home form. You know, two home games now. You'd really back Villa to win both of those games and not go on a, a little mini run where you where you end up losing a few games. So I think that's a that's a real positive. And sometimes you just have to give the opposition credit. You know, we we talk come here often and and talk about Emery's game plan. He did this, he did that. It was perfect. It worked really well. Forest shackled Villa mm. yesterday. Made life very difficult that, yeah. for them. Yeah. Didn't make loads happen going forward. But when they did come forward, they identified ways of hurting Villa, and it. And it worked. So sometimes you do have to give them credit. It was a big win for them. You know, Forrest actually, I, I, yeah, I've spent a bit of time at Forrest. I don't, don't follow them, but I, I know probably the lie of the land at Forrest better than I do all, all, all the other clubs other than Villa. Their fans were saying that, that they've had home games this season, not been performing well. They had the Luton game a few weeks ago where they were 2 0 up and then they, they get it back to 2 to, to, to that, that dense confidence. They've had a few injuries. Home form hasn't been good, but actually playing against a better team and you know, the atmosphere at the City, I've got to say, that an, an away game, that's the best set of home fans I've seen for years, bar not. You know, they at the end of that game, all swinging their scarves. They were really creating a, a feverant atmosphere at the at the city ground. They're really behind the manager as well, despite the fact they have stumbled in, in recent ways. So it actually suited them in a way, according to the Forest fans, that they were playing against a better team. I think their fans have been waiting for, for a game like this because they've said that the games they've had at the city ground have been games that they expected to win and yeah. they haven't won them. So this is, you know, this was an opportunity for them to get get a scalp, and I picked up a few scalps towards the end of the season. So with a one year back as well, I almost felt like it was the everything was kind of pulling in for his direction. It was the kind of things that that suited them because they've really missed him since he's been injured. He didn't score, but he was on an incredible scoring run mm. before he got injured. He was a big reason why 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 they stayed up. I think that front three of Alanga, him and and Gibbs White, that's a difficult front three to play against. A few teams will struggle going to the City Ground yeah. and playing against that front three. I would say. Yeah, it's a strong, it's a strong front three. I like, I like all three players. Yes, you know, they've all got individual qualities, and and there were a lot, quite a few clubs actually, real big, you know, big clubs that were looking at one year in um, the last transfer window. Chelsea were uh, well, weren't they? Yeah, Chelsea were interested, and and you know, a couple more, couple more were looking at him, and he's still still a relatively young lad. You know, he left Liverpool at a young age, moved abroad, and and come back, and he he's looked he's looked the part this year. They've missed him. Um, gives them that physical presence, but can also score goals as well. As well. Yeah, yeah, he's good. He's good. Um, a bit all round, actually, a bit all round. What you want, what you want from a centre yeah, forward? Yeah, in a lot not, of ways. not too many like them, yeah. either, really. Um, so yeah, I mean, Forest remind me a little bit like Villa a couple of years ago, just kind of trying to find their feet yeah, in the Premier fair. League, trying to establish themselves, spending relatively big, buying quite a lot of players. I, they've gone a little bit crazier than Villa did in terms of the volume of players they've bought. Um, but you know, they, they've had to reshape the squad and transition from a, a club that had been in the championship for too long um, and now they're trying to establish themselves in the Premier League look they've got a little bit of catching up to do like Villa have but you know if they get it right get the right players in there's no reason why they can't kick on like Villa have but I think what we were seeing like last year with teams you know Newcastle and Brighton where they had a very very good run of, of form teams are starting or trying to figure them out a little bit and coming to their games now with with a specific game plan. And I think that's what is going to happen with Villa now. The lower ranked teams in the division, they know that they can't just come and play like they used to. They're going to have to pick certain weaknesses in the Villa team and try and um you know try try and create from there. I think I think Forrest did that great, but you know, I think more often than not Villa will get it right. 
Yeah, agree with you. I just wanted to, to ask you, we, we haven't really planned anything, so we just talk on the cuff, so I don't know whether you'll be able to answer what, what I'm about to ask you. I've not noticed this so much when I've watched games, like away games on TV or, you know, when I'm in my seat at, at home games. I've not noticed this as much, but I noticed it yesterday being on being on pitch level is that actually, you know, we talked we talked about constant needing to step up maybe in Mings' absence and become a leader and talk and be the organiser. What I noticed yesterday, I thought, and I think he was probably Villa's best player yesterday in, in, in actual fact, Pau Torres, he's actually pretty vocal and he yeah. seems to be seems to be the organiser, which makes sense because obviously he's relied upon to try and progress the ball forward at times, almost like a, like a number six because he steps out of that defence and com- comes forward with the ball and com- can pick a pass. He actually is a lot more vocal than I mm. previously noticed. It's almost like he's taken on a, b- a bit of a leadership role. I don't know how much you know about how he settled yeah. in b- behind the scenes and how he's finding things at, at Villa, but that was just something that caught my eye yesterday. Yeah, it's interesting actually. You know, obviously Villa miss miss Tyrone Mings, don't they? They miss his leadership. They miss his, his on field qualities. Um, but the players have spoken um, about Torres and how he settled in really quickly and how that's helped Villa. And and look, they needed it. You know, they needed him to really hit the ground running because um, with Diego Carlos, it was always a little bit of a risk with you know the inj- the, the long term injury that he had previously. Um, hadn't played too many games. Uh, obviously for Villa this season, but they really needed Torres to, to settle in, and, and he has done. You know, he's, he's quite a quiet lad, um, sort of keeps himself to himself a little bit around around the place. Um, you know, he's obviously very close with his with his partner, who he, who he shares a lot of majority of his time with um, with Villa. You know, the, the sort of Spanish and, and Portuguese speaking sort of community. You know, he, he can fit into that group quite well. Has he fitted into? Has he gone into that group? I'm sure, saw that they had a Halloween party the other night. I can't remember if I saw he was there or not amongst all, all those. Like, is that kind he was of dressed up as a Peaky Blinder, wasn't he? Old uh, Torres, yeah, I mean, in, yes. him and his uh, him yes. and his wife, and uh, yeah, he, you know, they just got married over the over the summer. And, and look, you know, for someone like him, he was. <laughs> He was born in Valencia, so look, you know, he spent all of his time at Villarreal. He's, it's his local town, and you know, he's, he's, there was always this, the the question of is he going to go and settle in at a Premier League club? Luckily, he knows Emery, and and that helped. And I think the Spanish speakers have helped a little bit at Villa, but you know, he's, he's settled in well, and he's he's found his feet. And yeah, there are a group, there are a group, you know, a leadership group at, still at Villa. The vocal ones, the the ones that will you know, make decisions week to week. Um, you know, John McGinn really is not that much of a vocal presence. On, you see, on, I on think the pitch. he's become a lot. He's a, he's grown into that role. I would he, say he certainly has grown into it, but he's he's not always typically been one that will sort of you know, rant and rave and shout throughout the games and, and guide. It's more of his energy that people bounce off. Um, but he's obviously got a little bit of uh, you know the vocal side of things. He, he has to, but I think Villa have got a nice mix. You know, they've got a a good mix of strong characters, but but players that can be vocal as well if they need to, but also performance leaders as well. It's good to see him stepping up, though, isn't it? Because again, there was a few, he was getting there was a few concerns about him, let's say, in, which was a bit harsh because he you know, literally just come in, saying he was going to struggle to adapt to the physical side, wasn't going to pay, looked like he didn't have the pace perhaps that was required for, for the for the Premier League. But actually, in some ways, he's such a, such a good defender that he because kind of his positional sense 
kind of negate some of that stuff at times. He got caught out a few times early days, as you would expect, because he yeah. also got thrown into the team probably a lot quicker and in a different position than Villa were planning to use him. I think it was pretty clear that he was going to start the season as a, as a left-back probably, and Villa would go into that back three with Mings and Concer and the, the right-back, probably Cash, would have, would, would have bombed on. It was clear that that was probably the way Villa were going to set up at the start yeah, of the season, but they had so, to kind yeah. of reinvent what they were doing due, due to the Mings injury. So that would have eased him in to the physical side, I think, being part of that back three. But he's ended up having to play as a as a, as a lead centre-back. But in recent weeks, I really, really think he's growing. I thought he was brilliant against Luton, both on the ball and off the ball in terms of the, the defensive side of the game. And again, just he was the one yesterday that I felt was trying to drive Villa forward, was trying to... Trying to trying to play the play the ball forward. Just wanted to ask you as well about about team selection. At the, at the moment, it feels like there's ten that are in the best eleven, and then that eleventh man is quite fluid. It might be Carlos. Some games it might be Bailey. It might be Zaniola. At the mm-hmm. moment, until until we get Ramsey and Moreno back, that's the you know it seems that there's ten plus plus one more. But I actually thought yesterday the game was actually in a lot of ways crying out for Tillemans. And he, I know he came on relatively early. Yeah. I said that. I said, I said mm. that in the, in the ground just though, because we were struggling to break them down. And Villa have got some really good progressors of the ball in their in their team. But what I've noticed about Tillemans is he can progress the ball forward, but he also can do it first time at speed. And I felt that was kind of what Villa were were missing at times. It got a little bit slow, and I thought Tillemans came on and offered some 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 good touches and. There's been, he did an interview, I think it was last week, potentially, where, you know, he talked about the fact that, you know, he's not in the team and that he's, he's finding it difficult, wants to be in the team, but he isn't unhappy at Villa. But ultimately, yeah, yeah. He, he wants to play football. How are we going to get him in the team? Because mm-hmm. at the moment, there doesn't seem, uh, he he doesn't become that 11th man at the moment in the, in, that, <laughs> in that space. Or if he did, I'm not sure I think how the, Villa would line up. It's hard. Yeah, I think the, uh, the, the easiest answer to that is, Stay in the Europa Conference League as long as possible. Have an extended run in the FA Cup, um, and yeah, he's, you know he's going to get minutes. You know, inevitably, then because the games are going to. But he'll want to play Premier League. He wants he, to play the Premier that. League, of course. Yeah, but okay, they weren't the best yesterday, but you can't dislodge Luis no, no, and, no. and, and Kamara. I'm not saying they should come out of the team. By the way, just, no, no, I know you just. Players having spoken to you know, so many players over the years about when they're in and out of the team, they're desperate to get in the team, and it's always difficult when you've just moved to a club because you want to come and make an impression, and it's it's quite tough. You know, it's re- in fact, it's really tough when you move to a club and then you're not playing regularly because you almost feel like that honeymoon period has gone, and people like you get you get afforded a little bit of time, don't you, as a new player? And if you just you know, like how many months of the season's gone now? Three, four, three months, four months. He's right. like he's no longer really seen as a new player, is it? It's like we we know what Tielemans is going to do, but he hasn't actually fully had the chance to show it yet. Already, we know what he's got. Not like Dendonka as well, to to a lesser extent. You know, j- just hasn't played many games. You know, we've seen him a little bit yesterday, but um, I think, yeah. I mean, look, you know, the, maybe Emery's just got to ha- going to have to be brave at some times and, and, and play him. In, instead of either Louise or Kamara, I think Louise is a lock, isn't he? He's a lock in that team. He's, he, Louise is well. Best. I think Louise they both are. I think they both are. But at, at some point, maybe you just might have to mix it up. I mean, look, inevitably, one of them's probably going to pick up an injury or a suspension at some point. Yeah, you know, you, you typically don't go through the whole season with your two midfielders playing every single game. So th- there's there are going to be opportunities, and if Phil is staying in the cup competitions for a little bit longer, he's going to play more games. Um, 
And but yeah, I mean, it's going to be. You feel like it's going to be even harder, though, don't you, when Ramsey comes back? Because that's another middle area position taken up. Yeah, because because you, you can't really play the McGinn or Ramsey role. You can't. No. I don't think it, it worked not, well when he was playing. Quite, he's not quite dynamic enough. No, is he's it? not got the mobility. I don't think to, to play mm. those role to, to play to play that role. But it was interesting in the last European game that he played not up alongside Watkins, but he was playing in Diaby's position. I said, doing very different things, but he was playing in in in, in Diaby's role. But then there's not really an avenue to get in the team there, is it? Because Diaby yeah. and Watkins are are, are going to play every every week, so it's, it must be hard for him at the moment. But you know, he must. I feel like in some ways he must have known this when he came in. Because then he's not going to say. Don't necessarily think he would have known it because look, however, however honest or dishonest uh, staff members are when they talk to players. Every player that signs gets the pretty much, unless you're, you know, a backup goalkeeper, gets the guarantee that they're going to play. It's just how negotiations go. Come to our club, we're going to play. Uh, we see you as this, this, and this. You know, the, there would have been a presentation that Villa would have done for him. This is where we see you playing, where we see you fitting in. We like this about you. Yeah, we think you can improve this. You know, this is what the manager's going to do with you, etc. So he would have been coming to Villa on the back of a you know, massive, massive signing on bonus, incredibly big wages, um, you know, wages that nobody else was prepared to pay. So he's got a brilliant deal um, on a long-term contract. So he's got that security and that safety net there. Um, but, you know, t- players want two things. They want to be paid well and they want to play games. It's simple as that, you know. And he's got one of them, but he hasn't. But he's missing the other one. Yeah, it's hard. It's almost felt like... Because Kamara and Louise ended the season so well, a bit like Concer and Mings, they were always going to start the season. But I wonder if Tillemans thinks that he, or thought that he would have broken in by now. I mean, look in, in his interview. I think he did it with the Times, didn't he? He said, "Look, he's happy. Yeah, he's not. Look. He's not. He's not sad at Villa." Um, you know, and there, and there were staff members that uh, that were keen to sort of get that message out because I think there'd been a little bit of um, hey, a load of rubbish misreporting, yeah, yeah, that 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 you know that were inaccurate. So. Um, you know he's he's not given up on his time at Villa or anything just yet. He knows there's plenty more to, plenty more months ahead to get in the team. But yeah, inevitably he want he wants to be playing. You know all players do. He's used to being a regular at Leicester in the in the Premier League and and winning things. So mm. he it's wants to be a part of it at Villa. It's one to keep an eye on. I I was crying out for him to come on somewhere. I quite liked it when we shifted to a back three actually and try. I know it didn't really work. But, you know, we shifted to that back three, put Kamara in, put Kamara in there, took, took Cash off and kind of just told Bailey and Luca Dean to stay high and wide. I quite yeah. liked that as a as a change, because that's a change up from the usual system that, that we see. Obviously, wanted to try and try and get back into the game. And I think it was nearly there. I think Villa did get into some dangerous positions, but when they were in the penalty area, bad decision making really was the was the downfall. It's so rare for us not to score that you're you're shocked by it. Oh, I mate, can't, it was, can't, can't believe it. Shock. I think they've only not scored in three four. games under four now. Four, is it? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's pretty incredible. They never draw nil-nil and they very, very rarely don't score. Is it three or is it four? I think it's three, you know. Hmm. Have you done me there? I think you might have done me. Because I remember the there's Man U and Wolves, there was two in a row. I'm pretty sure that's it. I'm sure that's Liverpool. Scored in- Liverpool, ah, Liverpool yeah. so come on, one nil yeah. Bardell. Let's come on, <laughs> yeah, right? On that, on that note, let's hear a little bit more from NordVPN. 
1874 is proudly sponsored by NordVPN, so when the villa are playing and you can't watch it, we want to help you. NordVPN is a secure and private service which works on pretty much any device, including your laptop, mobile and your smart television. So if you want to watch some live content, it allows you to appear like you're in another country. And whilst you're connected, no one else can find out what you're doing, including your internet service provider. Beyond this, the service also has threat protection baked in to protect you from intrusive website ads and malware, which is pretty handy for you. As part of NordVPN supporting 1874, they have given us an exclusive deal of up to 65% off and four months for free. This also includes Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. All you've got to do is go to 1874.io slash NordVPN and sign up. All the details are also in the description. Also, this November, NordVPN are also promoting Movember, which is a charity based in the UK which raises money to help fight mental health, suicide, prostate cancer and testicular cancer. All are amazing causes and NordVPN has added a donation feature to their checkout which enables new users to donate £1, £5 or £10 or whatever the customer decides to donate. And even better, NordVPN will match every donation. As always, we're very grateful to anyone that signs up. We know that money is tight, but if you think NordVPN will help you out, it will also help keep the channel running and help us too. Back in European action on Thursday against AZ Alkmaar. It feels like a return leg, really, because we, we, <laughs> we played them a, a few weeks ago, drubbing them 4-1 at their own place, which was a sensational performance and a, and a sensational result, bearing in mind their home record. It's kind of still a game that Villa really need to need to win because the group is is a lot tighter than, than maybe we thought it was going to be because we got that defeat in the first game. Thank God we won the second game oh, yeah. very late because it would be it would be even it would be even more tight. But it's, it's still the group's pretty open, isn't it? So it's important to get three points again against Altmar at home at Villa Park. Yeah, you, you look at it on paper and it does look like an open group. I, I, I you know, very very confident Villa will, will yes. get out of it and progress. But yeah, you know the, the games are still there and anything can happen. You know, an early sending off in the game could could change something, and then you know suddenly you're up against it. And look, you know the the last home game was phew, a lot a lot more difficult than we the, you know than many of us expected. So um, yeah, Villa have got to go and get the job done. I'll, I'll, I'll back them to do that. Uh, and then I think they can't take the foot off the gas, but they can relax a little bit because they know it's all you know it's almost secure. Then isn't it? Um, I, I think you know. I think the supporters are really enjoying the the return to Europe as well. And got quite a few friends who, um, <clears throat> you know, class themselves as Villa fans, but are not season ticket holders. They don't go very often, but they've been able to get tickets for the games this year. And it's you know giving them like a you know new lease of life and a, and a bit of a bit of a fresh impetus. And um, you know they're they're loving football and going to the football again. And it's great to see that. Those are those are some of the sort of untold stories of, of getting mm-hmm. back into Europe, just fans that haven't gone to games for a long time and now going back because they've got access to tickets. And look, you know, ultimately that's what, that's what Villa as a club from a business side of things wants to do as well. You know, it wants to get more customers or, you know, into the door. Um, right, never call them customers, you know, but that's, for, that's business talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Be like Steve, we'll have to get Steve Hollis back on the uh, podcast. Well, I, I, Tom, I didn't my head, it was Tom Foxy, wasn't it? Was it? It was, uh, it was, it was Steve Hollis. But no, I mean, for, you know, from a, from a fan perspective, it's, uh, it's great for people to be able to get back to the games uh, and enjoy it again. So I've, I had this conversation with someone yesterday and look, look, everyone's finances are different and, you know, people are the hard times in the world at, at the moment for, for financially. Also, the club have upped the prices quite considerably. You know, they're 
it feels like at times the club's coming at fans for, for every angle, from, from every angle, sorry, money-wise, at the moment. But I was, I was having this conversation with someone, someone yesterday, and like, yeah, that last game against Brighton, full house, so much was made about qualifying for, for Europe. That that Mostar game, there was a lot of, of, of empty seats. Do you think it's down to the fact it's the group stage? Maybe, you know, it's not seen as a, as, as a big game. Would you expect it to be full? This Thursday, because it, we we all wanted to qualify for Europe so mm. badly. Like we we all, I had to miss the Hibs game for for work, for, for example, and I kind of because they'd already won five. When I didn't try and manipulate what I was doing, because I, I knew I was I knew I was at Scott Sports News in the morning, so I didn't go to that game. So you know, there's different reasons people don't go to games, but there's never an empty seat really in the league games. But whereas in that that European game, there was there was quite a lot. Of, yeah. of empty seats. What what do you put that down to? What's your, what's your opinion on that? The fact that, you know, they're not including season tickets either. Mm. So it's like, you know, if you, Villa have got 30,000 plus, I think 30,000, they cap it at season tickets. So, you know, all of a sudden you've got 30,000 fans that go every single week and they think, mm, you know, do, do I want to be paying an extra, what is it, 30, 39 quid, 40 quid, whatever it is. I've paid around £90 for three tickets. Yeah, so I mean, 30 like quid, you know, they're like, do I want to pay another 30 quid when... You know, everything's rising. My bills are going up more all the time. If I'm going with my two kids or whatever, it's it's adding to the price. Um, feels like a little bit of a piss take, you know, the, the fact that um, European games aren't always included, or at least some of them aren't. Um, I, I, you know, that's, I just I know from a bit from a business point of view, you need to extract as much money as possible to increase the revenues, you know, across every sort of area because that's you know inevitably how Villa are going to kick on as a club, but just feels like little things like that you know you should be um um sometimes should be included and i think i think it's across the board you know it's hospitality as well player boxes you know they have to pay extra for individual games as well so um mm. it's uh it's something that, that the club will as well do they sir? yeah you know it's it's something that the club wants to want to monetize and you know if, if filler of Villa are still trying to close the gap, aren't they? And some of the bigger boys in the division. So it's, it's maybe something you've got to expect. But I think just to answer your question, yeah, you know, the fact that every seat's available, isn't it? It's like you've got to pay for every single seat again. Um, whereas a Premier League game, you've already got 30,000 seats sold immediately. And yeah. sometimes, look, you know, if the, you say you can't, you say there's never a, a seat available, but there are some home games where tickets are available. So, you know, often there are there are a fair amount. And I think, you know, you've got like partner and commercial um, tickets aren't as, um, there aren't as many handed out to European games because they're not as popular. So just makes, just frees up, frees up the areas a little bit more. I know, I know that for every game, the, the UEFA delegates, there's about a hundred delegates that come in and like swarm in on the um, on, the, on the directors' club, and basically just if, if some people have got got a table and stuff, I think the first game, like the UEFA people were just sitting where they wanted to. Right. From, from the stories <laughs> I've heard, a lot of people have paid this money to you know to have their usual table in the in the directors' club for for the European games, and then come in and the. You have the guys sat at the, the table just come in and like they're the they're the priority, which which is absolutely mad. I do think it'll pick up if they get to the knockouts, maybe. I think oh, there'll be there'll be better teams that fall out of the Europa League as well as there's potentially some some mouth watering ties. I think Altmar will probably be more full than the Mustar game. Yeah, yeah. You'd imagine so, wouldn't you? It's a bigger um, game, isn't bigger it? Bigger game. It's deeper yeah. into the competition. There's more at stake. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah. Okay. I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. It's, um, it, it's interesting. Like I say, the, the fans at the moment are really feeling it because there is, you know, been asked for. They've been asked for an, an awful lot 
from the club at the, at the moment in terms of you know the price rises over the over the last two years as as, as well it, it's gone up exponentially so you know not not knocking anyone at all i just wanted to wanted to talk to you about it and, and get your thoughts and you you've covered that so greg i believe you've got a press box archive for us to, to finish <laughs> the one thing you have to, you have to do in the league <laughs> is podcast and you've done it <laughs> Yeah, we're going back a few years. Um, I was trying to think of some some interesting stories to say, and uh, this takes us back to the summer of 2015, which is pretty incredible, really, because it you know it's eight over eight years ago, and I genuinely can't believe it was you know it's been that long when I think back to it. But um, Villa were in Albufeira on a pre-season trip, which away from all the work I had to do was probably one of the best pre-season trips I've been on. You know, it was, had a really good time. There was um, there was only three of us on the on the trip. Myself, a guy from the Daily Mail and, and the Sun. Um, and we went out, you know, pretty much most nights and had a few drinks and socialised. But there was loads of stuff that happened. It was like the Delph U-turn, yeah, Benteke leaving. Um, there was quite a lot going on. But we, we were invited, uh, the, the three reporters that went out, we were invited by Tim Sherwood, who was the manager at the time, to um, to a dinner, you know, just with some of his staff. And we all, we'd, we'd had a few drinks, we had a bit of food and the stories were getting you know, shared around and stuff and and Sherwood said right guys you, you've got two minutes to um to guess who our next striker is going to be and if you guess it we'll, we'll you know we'll say uh, we'll, we'll, we'll tell you like so we're really enough all these names you know a couple of Premier League strikers a few in the championship I bet um, you're I've had a by all a couple in Scotland and you know a few few up in uh in different European countries anyway two minutes have passed and he said look that's it you know you didn't get it and we're like scratching our heads for the rest of the night, thinking, who the hell are like Villa going to sign then? And anyway, you know, days or weeks later, I can't remember how long it was. Turned out they were they got bloody Rudy Gestead, and we were just thinking, like, of all the names that we'd have thrown at him, it just Rudy Gestead just never even crossed our mind. And I mean, look, you know, he had his moments, didn't he? he scored a couple of big goals for Villa, one against Blues, and he got a couple at Liverpool, didn't he? If I remember that way again, the Villa lost oh, three no, two. No, no. Um, but yeah, I mean that, that was kind of just a sign of what was to come. If we if we couldn't guess the striker in two minutes, then you know what what were Villa expected to do with this guy oh, that was coming in? So I found him probably the most. I've not I didn't dislike him. I don't really ever dislike. And I just found him hard work to watch. I just he just, I just never felt he, he had it. And going from Benteke to him. It just felt like the biggest downgrade I've, I've ever seen yeah. Villa have in terms of a, a player coming in. Incidentally, I put, po- or ironically, I posted something on Twitter the other day, an article that I was, I can't even remember what I was doing. This was the wild Friday night I was having. I was looking for something and I stumbled across this article on, on Ladbrooks. So I'll just read, I'll just read it to you. So this was on the 31st of July, 2015, by someone called Matt Wiggins. I mean, this could have been the last article he ever wrote. I don't know if he ever, I don't know what he's gone on to do. Matt, Matt Wiggins, but the, the headline is, Aston Villa win the transfer window with Benteke replacement. Wow. And then the first two paragraphs, if Rudy Gestead passes the Aston Villa medical, he's reported to be undertaken in the coming days. Tim Sherwood may have just pulled off a masterstroke in the summer transfer window. Having received £32.5 million for striking talisman Christian Benteke earlier in the off-season, the former Tottenham Hotspur manager has landed a deal to sign one of the closest imitations in England to the Belgian brute at a snip of the price. Has an article ever been more right? I don't know if you've ever wrote anything that turned out to be really real. I've certainly said things that turned out to I be mean, really yeah, wrong. I'd have, I'd have done things and said things over the years that, that turned feels, out to be wrong. But that yeah, that was very uh, wrong. Oh, love a bit of a... Uh, New signing optimism, don't you? 
Gotta yeah, gotta love a bit never, of that. First time I watched him, it was man. He obviously came on and scored in the Bournemouth game. Fine, great. We won one nil. Do so you think? Oh, phew. Okay, we'll be all, maybe we'll be okay this season. <laughs> and then the second game against Manchester United, I remember at home when I was like, was it a Friday night for some reason? It was. A, I think it was a Friday night. We lost one nil. I remember watching him and just thinking, oh dear, we're in trouble here. This guy can't move. If the ball lands yeah, on his head, he's okay. But he, I think, I but he can't from, move. From speaking to people around the around the club at that time, it was because it was very mixed, wasn't it? You know, Sherwood was trying to sign certain players, and then you know the recruitment team, which was fronted by Paddy Riley at the time, was was pushing other players, and it was you know the, there was no sort of harmony or cohesion between the two of them. Hmm. Um, but I think um, from what I can remember, it was a, it was was a joint decision that one, and that they'd looked you know they'd looked at all the the um uh, the stats about you know his heading ability and the fact that he was you know quite durable he didn't miss many games um and you know Villa were signing wide players at that point Amavi was expected to kick on as a as a as a decent fullback I think Adama Traore came in as well didn't he I think I'm sure they got one more winger Scott Sinclair was still there on Sinclair, the Sinclair yeah had a bit of a run but yeah um you know so the aim was to play sort of you know through wingers and wide players and, and hope that he'd get on the end, end of things. But, yeah, sadly, it just didn't work out. The worst thing is that he wasn't like, he actually wasn't Benteke's replacement because they tried to sign Adebayo. And the <laughs> fact that they, they yeah. practically did sign Emmanuel Ad- Ad- Adebayo. That's for another know. day, yeah. <laughs> we'll save that story for, 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 for maybe we'll do that one, do that one next week. Because <laughs> I've got some stuff around uh, around that as, as well. It's an absolutely crazy time that, 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 that happened. So, actually, they did try and sign another, another striker. On, on top of Gusted, but it but but it never went through. But yeah, for nothing against Rudy Gusted, but he was just a player that I could never warm to in terms of footballing ability. And I think maybe it was because I loved Benteke so much as well that I really really yeah. struggled with with, with Gusted as a. I mean, it was impossible, and it was impossible. It's a hard job. Them. And and look, you know, Villa lost the entire spine of their team that year. Exactly. You know, Vlar, Delph, Benteke, Cleverly. Yeah, it was, and Cleverly had started to come pretty good, hadn't they? So mm. it was a difficult one. Yeah. Great times. Good to hear of you at the uh, at the at the trip though. At the great, some great photos of you in that from from that era, isn't there? On a on Google, great image search. Greg Evans as a as a photo like your signing Jordan Amava. There's a great. There's a great. <laughs> oh photo. yeah, yeah I remember I, that. Oh, I bloody yeah. love that photo. I'll put it up on. I'll put it up on social media so that people can people can see. It. Nice one of you pointing as well. That I like. Yeah, they, they used to, oh, like my former employees, they used to do that. They used to use that one to wind me up. Have you stopped using that bloody picture? Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. If you're looking for an accompaniment to this podcast and when, when you're listening, Google Google Greg Evans and click on, click on images. There's some great photos. When you were Tammy Abraham's agent as well, there's a lovely yeah, photo of you with there's a lovely photo fun. with you and Tammy Abraham as well. So, yeah, do that. Treat, treat yourself. It always cheers me up. Whenever I'm feeling down. I go on Google, pop in Greg's now, and look at the, look at the, the image search. That, that's it for this week's 1874 podcast. We've managed to have a laugh despite Villa losing. So thank you very much to those that have that have tuned in. We'll be back for some more shows through, through the week, obviously with the two games coming up as well. So watch out for them. Wherever you're taking in the podcast, subscribe with your personal notifications on. Leave the video a like on YouTube, please. And I don't even know if you can do that thing on audio, but if you can, do it there. As, as well leave a comment as well with what you've thought about what we've said in this podcast let me know as well if you've done a google image search on greg i'd be interested to hear 
hear your thoughts in the comments so, so, so please do that thanks very much to greg for joining me thanks to adam for producing and thank you as well to nordvpn for sponsoring us do check out the link in the description if you want to help yourself out with nordvpn if that's something that you need in your life have a good week and up the villa sports social podcast network hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing chumba casino coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at thirty thousand feet so sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus that's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus.